Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Uh, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad you're here. You know, it's kind of a kind of a relationship we have when we get together, and relationships are really everything in our lives. We are social creatures. We crave it. We need to be around other people. We need to have positive, fruitful relationships. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. Sometimes there's challenges with that. How do we navigate through those challenges and and have those best possible relationships? Well, she's going to help us out with that. She works on relationships and family and so much more. And she is Let It Be Me Life Coaching. And Mary Beth Munir is back with us on the program. Hey, Mary Beth, how are you today? Great. I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? I'm well. I appreciate you and our relationship. And it, it really is the, the baseline for a lot of our lives, right? The, the relationships that we have, that we hold, that we cultivate, right? Absolutely. Relationships are so vital in our everyday lives. And I always say it's the hardest part of life is navigating relationships. And I know it's not easy. And I know it's a struggle. And a lot of times people come into a session with one piece of agenda, it might be a work cause or it might be um, something else that's keeping them up at night. And then it turns into they find out that maybe they're not unsettled with a relationship and how it's moving forward or not moving forward, and they don't know how to navigate that. Sometimes when we fear losing a relationship, we kind of try to grab tighter into the relationship and maybe pull somebody further apart so the ways we navigate those relationships are so important, and it's such a vital, physical, emotional, social part of our health, and relationships to me are key, but the one relationship that we don't take care of and we don't work on enough is ourselves. We don't really take the time to be patient with ourselves or to sit with ourselves. I mentioned to someone about I get up a little bit earlier before I start my day, just so I have a quiet time, a quiet moment, just something where I can kind of settle into a routine. I have my, you know, decaf latte. I sit and I might write some notes on a piece of paper. I have my daily routine that helps me get some clarity and helps me to get the day going on and helps me take care of me for that moment and give myself the time. So when we take care of ourselves and we give ourselves that time, it helps us give us the ability to kind of move on with the day and say, all right, I took care of myself this morning. And mother, young mothers, I get it. They have young children. They're all over the place, and it's very hard for them to say, I need that 10 minutes of sleep. Are you kidding me? I totally get that. But if you can find just 10 minutes a day for yourself just to sit, to enjoy that coffee, put on a piece of music that you like, to maybe write something on a piece of paper how you're feeling, just check in with yourself each day. It's so critical for us to take care of ourselves. And when we're compassionate to ourselves, then we're so much better to help the people in our lives, your partner, your children, your colleagues at work. We spend so much time at work with our colleagues. So when we go into work and we have a little more clarity and we feel like we took a little bit better care of ourselves in the morning, and routine also, Steve, is important for the anxiety piece too, you know, in today's world, people might be more anxious. So to have that routine is comforting when we have structure and routine. And then we can kind of settle in 
and kind of get our day going so that we can relate to people better once we've given ourselves that time. We always hear that, Mary Beth. It's, it, yeah. And it's a, I, it almost gets to be a point of a, a cliche where yeah. you know, you, you, the, the airplane analogy where they tell you, you got to put the mask on you first before you can help somebody else out. But it really right. is true. If you haven't mastered yourself, you love yourself, you're in a good place, your relationships probably aren't going to be that strong, or you're just, you're going to run into rifts from time to time. Do you believe that in regard to relationships, and this is another cliche, but I, I would love your yeah. take on it, <laughs> that, that, that people are put in our lives for a reason or a season? Uh, I've said that many times, a reason, season, or a lifetime. I, I so... You know, my let it be premise is about who comes into your life, events that happen in your life, they happen. And we, whether we find a way in the power of now to say these circumstances happen in my life and I have to accept that so I can live in the present, or these people came into my life for a reason for me to grow. Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Mm-hmm. There's so a, by the way, ever, there's, a, there's another cliche, but keep going. Another cliche. All these <laughs> cliches. And I know... And so many times I've said them to myself for so many years. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, put the mask on, then the child, got it, got it. But really, when I have taken the time, and I'll put this on my Instagram post, I'm like, write a little something. It only takes five to seven minutes to just write some thoughts down in the morning. Put it out there. Try it. Uh, You know, and I don't force people to do it. People are like, oh, you think I have extra seven to ten minutes, whatever, every day to take care of me. But when you do it, it does make such a difference. And I, I do believe that every person that came into my life came into my life to help me, to support me, to bring me to this place where I am today. Yeah. Every event that came, and there are friends that came into my life that probably challenged me and, and treated me in ways that maybe at the time I did not appreciate, but it forced me to be stronger and speak up. Maybe there were, there I have friendships still to this day. And I have friendships that, you know, dissipated and dissolved through the years. And that's all, you know, important for me to learn from and to grow from. The only way we grow and learn, unfortunately, is usually the things that are disappointing and sometimes are painful. Those are really sometimes our growth moments. And I do believe that I'm here today with all the events in my life, good, bad, and ugly, that this is where I'm meant to be, and those people were supposed to be in my life. So it gives me ability. I don't forgive for them. I'll forgive because it gives me a release, and I can say hello on the streets and be happy and be at peace with it rather than be angry and bitter that this might have happened in my past. It's interesting so when, when you look back, though. When you look back at your life, even, you know, look at two years, um, the people that circulated through your life and what purpose they served. Uh, I see it clear when I think about it, like this person, I'll give an example. I had some, some medical stuff going on and met somebody who was a nurse and like just random. And, you know, we had a relationship and, you know, it, it ran its course, 
But when I look back, it's like she was there to help me through it. In the beginning, I didn't know I was going to be doing that. But then that person was there and I helped her along with some stuff as well. Then you look at, you know, somebody else that kind of circulated through and they helped you with some stuff and then they kind of moved on. And then, of course, you have those longtime friends that are there uh, from the beginning and then they help you, you help them. So when you really take a a step back and look deep into your life of, of all of those things, the answers are kind of clear. Yeah, you can connect the dots. I always use that. <laughs> that I, I always use that phrase. My gosh, I, I always, and especially, especially when when you're looking at your childhood and what happened there, and and is now in your subconscious to what's happening now. And then I, I usually right. say that's where the connected dots are. Yes, absolutely. You can bring it all back to you know the relationships from your past and how you how you kind of got through that. And, and even, and there are abusive pasts and I've worked with plenty of families where there were traumatic childhoods and, and parents that were toxic and, or relatives that might've been abusive or toxic. And I, I completely understand that piece, but if most families are dysfunctional, most families are just finding their way. What our parents, they didn't, what they knew is all what they knew when they were raising us. Those are the tools they had. So if we go back and look at our choices that we made as a teenager, we didn't have the tools or the support that if we we look at it now, we might have made other decisions, but you can't go back there because we can't change what happened and we can't, we didn't have the resources back then. So, so many times we are so un- unforgiving to ourselves because we made a choice and I did a recent post about regrets, but regrets are such a great teacher of you know, the things that we've learned and been exposed to to help us to move, you know, in a different, in a different direction to kind of support us in the, in the avenue and the direction, the compass that we need to go in rather than look back and say, oh, I did this wrong. It's such a great teacher for us now. And it helps me with my clients because I made choices I didn't want to make if I look back, but then I realized it taught me so much about compassion. It taught me so much about connection. It taught me so much about empathy. It taught me so much about not judging people. And it's such a a powerful thing for me to kind of look back and see where I am today and understand that I can forgive those past relationships. I can forgive that what's happened. I can forgive myself and my parents because that's what they had. Those are the only resources they had. And it's such a freeing piece in, in my life. And it was so helpful for me, so I can use that for my clients to kind of look back and say, you know, you keep going back to this one time that you are deserving of bad things because you made that choice, but let's go back to that time. What was there? What was available to you? Who was supporting you? What resources did you have? What choice did you have in the matter? And they realized, well, there wasn't really much of a choice than the choice that I had to make. Then, Then let's move on from that. Let's forgive that. And let's not look at that circumstances as that defines you. That makes you a better person. It makes you more compassionate and helps you understand people, you know, that might be going through the same thing. So I do, you know, I do believe that a lot of this, you know, our past relationships and looking back are so important to to how we kind of move forward today. Without a I doubt, without. <laughs> without a doubt, <laughs> uh, Mary Beth, how do you how how do we deal with challenging relationships? 
And that's my first question. And I guess the follow-up would be, what about you've had people in your life, uh, maybe they've kind of drifted apart. Why is it so hard for us to to send that text to say, you know, I I miss you, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, us getting together, you know, maybe we feel guilty that the relationship, you know, we're, we're not doing, you know, friendship maintenance, if you will. Um, right. That's another part. You know, how do, how do we get, how do we do that? <laughs> like, we're how, so do, how do you go five, four, three, two, one, as Mel Robbins would say, I think you just put yourself out there and trust that if you're going to, if, if this is worth investigating, think about the worst thing that can happen. So say you have a friendship that you haven't been in touch with and you feel like, oh my gosh, now I got to check in and why all of a sudden I'm checking in? You know, what's my agenda? Or, you know, sometimes people go through these epiphanies or they go through these lives, you know, these points in our lives where we start to feel better about ourselves. And then we're like, oh, I haven't kept in touch with that person in a really long time and I, I just want to check in and see how they're doing, but now I feel like an idiot, you know? Yeah. Why am I doing this now? Sometimes you go for it. Think, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Are, you know, are, are, you know, stealth fighters going to be above your head when you make the call and you have to worry for your life? You know, start thinking about, like, exaggerating a response that you think is the worst thing that can happen. Will the person maybe say, you know, Steve, thanks for calling after five years. I would have liked to have heard from you within the first year, you know. And so you feel ashamed maybe or embarrassed. But think about the worst thing that can happen. Or they may just say, oh, funny you're calling. I was just thinking about you because we did this the other day. How the hell are you? You know, so uh, you, you never know what the reaction is going to be, but we are so afraid to put ourselves, we're so afraid to be vulnerable. I think vulnerability is such a, a key word. We're so afraid to put ourselves and our hearts out there and be hurt. We're so afraid to be intimate or we're so afraid to you know, be transparent and share our feelings. If I put my heart on the sleeve, someone's going to take it and stomp on it. We're so afraid of those pieces in our relationship to just sometimes extend the olive branch and be like, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what happened. I don't, I, I don't know why I didn't call you within the first year, but I'm just checking in. I was just thinking about you. Something happened, made me think of you. I just wanted to check in. Sometimes you just got to put yourself in, just go for it and see what happens and, and know that the, the worst thing that possibly can happen, you can handle. So is it rejection? Uh, Are we, is that the main thing that we're afraid of rejection? I, 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 and it could go back to your childhood and that I'm going to play therapist, but maybe there's an abandonment piece and a rejection piece. Absolutely. You know, the, the biggest fear we have is being invisible, that nobody will see us. Nobody will care, but, then, then it becomes abandonment and rejection. You know, there, if I put myself out there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get hurt, and I don't want to do it, so I'm just not going to do that. I want to stay comfortable. Mm. Okay, yeah. And, and do you think that the fear of abandonment, the rejection, maybe that could come from, from, from way back, you know, something from our childhood? Oh, definitely. I know so many people who had, you know, probably, you know, families of divorce or lost a parent at a young age, they'll hold on to things for a long time and fear so much losing them. But once they lose them, that, 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 that rejection is so much more heightened for them um, because, you know, they were trying so hard to hold on, then they lose them, and then there's the, re- so the abandonment piece and then the rejection piece, so that's such a, a, a 
a really hard thing to get through for some, and I do think that comes sometimes early on. We're just, and, and you know, whatever, you know, that sometimes I think, you know, if there's a critical parent who said, oh, you can't do that, who do you think you are, or you didn't do that right, maybe there's a message that you still carry that says, oh, of course, you know, they're, my parents are going to, you know, that goes back to my parents rejecting me or my parents saying that I can't do this well or that fear or or that coach or that teacher saying that to me or something comes back from when we were a child that we sit with and it's a message that kind of tells us why we're afraid of rejection or why we're afraid of, you know, abandonment or whatever is said from that early stages of life, you know? I I totally got it. And like we say, connect the yeah. dots, you know, that, that sometimes yeah. needs to get done. Is that something that you, you help out with, uh, you know, in terms of connecting the dots to stuff from our past that we still carry and maybe don't realize that we're carrying it? Yeah, I would definitely do that in a coaching session. You know, what happens is when you start with a coaching session, you're going to start with where they're least satisfied. So you might say, right now I'm least satisfied in, say, your relationship thing. So we might work through that. And something might come up through that session that, you know, maybe is a deeper least satisfaction piece. But we start with kind of working through why we're not satisfied in this piece and we work with that one one goal. So what's your goal by the end of this session might be, I want to be able to make that phone call to that friend that I haven't spoken to in five years and I'm deathly terrified of that. So as we kind of talk about and ask the questions and go through a series of tools to make that phone call or get you to that goal where you think you can take that turtle step to make that phone call, something tells you, no, I can't do it. So then in the next session you might come back and say, I can't. I really, I'm, I sweat. I get sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. I can't make that call. And then, then I might ask, you know, what are some of those beliefs? What's going on in your head when we What's the feeling that happens when we talk about calling that friend? What's happening right now? And you might describe the feeling, the, the pain, the fear that goes on in your head right now about why I can't make that call. And so what we try to do is we capture like what we call limiting beliefs. Yep. So there, there's these beliefs that we have that are ingrained in our unconscious or in our, you know, in who we are. It's like a part of who we are. And we can't make that call because that fear is just so powerful. So we start doing some thought work on you. So your thought might be uh, fear of rejection from a time, you know, way. And you don't even have to go back. In coaching, we do fear of rejection right now. This person will reject me if I call. I have a terrible fear of that. So then we do some thought work. So we try to pull the thought away from you. We distance you from the thought. The thought that this person, I'm afraid my friend will reject me. So we we kind of work on the thought, we distance the thought, and we do some thought work to kind of play with it. Can you absolutely know for sure that that this friend will reject you? And you'll be like, yeah, I think so. I haven't talked to them in five years. Can you absolutely know? Is it an absolute truth that your friend will reject you? No, it's not an absolute. I don't know. They might not. And so we start playing with that. What's going on now? What if we turn that thought around? What if we say, you know, what's the opposite of my friend will reject me? Well, what am I trying to say? Well, my friend won't reject me. They'll be happy to have a call, phone call from me. So we start playing with the op- How is that true for you? How is that true possibly that your friend will actually be excited to hear from you? 
and play with the idea, well, we haven't talked in a while, we had a really great connection at one time, and you, so once we start playing with the thought and dissolving it, then, then you can maybe move and then say, all right, let me see what kind of turtle step I'm going to make this week. Just playing and messing with the thought a little, and the following week, usually, they feel comfortable enough to make the call. Because the thought is not a fact. That thought is just something you derived at a young age that you connected to, that you allowed connect to you, you know, stay attached to you, and they couldn't release. It's just a part of Steve. I can't make that call. But because I'm, my friend's going to reject me. Well, let's, and that's kind of the work we do, and those are some of the tools we use. I'm giving you some of my secrets as we, uh, as, you know, as the coaching sessions go on. Uh, so. You have another tool. Uh, and I'd love to talk about it in the few minutes that we have left here. And, yeah. and I love wow. on your website, there's a section that says, allow yourself to feel all your feelings. And yes. sometimes <laughs> we don't, we hide, we run, <laughs> we don't want to feel them. Um, and apparently you found an app that's free yeah. that can help you do that. Can we talk about that? Sure. Well, how we feel is an app, uh, based in the Yale uh, studies with children and emotions. And it's a free app. You can download it on your phone. And I, if I don't journal in the morning or if I don't have enough time, sometimes I open up my How We Feel app today and I check in. And it says, and it gives you four options, and it gives you the great words about how you feel. And we've, re- we've rejected the sad, angry feeling. But they're just as much a part of us as our happy, enthusiastic, peaceful, you know, more pleasant feelings, those are as much a part of us as our unpleasant feelings. And it's so important to check in with those feelings every day. So when you check in on this app, what's really cool is you kind of put how you're feeling. You can write a note. You can send a picture. You can put a picture of I'm feeling calm. It's a low, pleasant feeling, calm. I take a picture of a notebook and pen, and I decided to journal for five minutes this morning just for some clarity and just put some words on paper and take a picture of it and talk about how that makes you feel. And you can have a really frustrating day. Your friend just lost, you know, some, someone in their life, and you're sitting with them, and, you know, maybe they were too young, and you're feeling so sad in the moment and, you know, a sense of fear or pain. Put that down. Lean into all your feelings, you know, our sad feelings, our angry feelings, our, you know, envious feelings, our, you know, put, it's so important to put that down and be mindful of every time we feel a feel, let's feel it. And when I work with people with grief, I have them lean into the grief. We're so afraid to grieve and we're so afraid to be sad when we lose somebody, but it's such an important thing to do is to feel sad. And that's, you know, and completely normal. And nobody can say, you need to feel sad for one year. Or you need to go through the five stages within eight months. Grief can, it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes it's just okay not to be okay. It's okay to lean into that. And I'm so passionate about representing how we feel. And there's so many little videos, like meditation videos, very short, that kind of give you an idea of how you can uplift and get your day going. And little snippet. So I just found it to be a great app when I don't take time for myself in the morning, I check in. <laughs> hmm. I love that. And I, and I just look for a couple of screenshots on that app and it's called literally how we feel. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's available for 
Android as well. I haven't searched there, but it's definitely available, you know, for, for Apple products. Um, right. You have so many great little tips, little, you know, <laughs> and I appreciate you sharing them. If somebody wants to work with you on their relationships, on their feelings, on, and all of that as a, a life coach, the process starts with the website, right? Do you have a free consult? I do. I have a free consult. So as soon as you fill it out, you're going to probably fill it out with your email. I'm going to contact you via email and get a number where I can call you or time I can call you. I do a free consult. I kind of do like, I call it a sneak peek into a session. So you bring it, you know, something that you want to work on, and I kind of guide you a little bit and show you a little bit of what I do in a full session. So you get an idea of what a coaching session looks like. It's very, it's you know, 99% of the people surveyed who had a life coach were satisfied to very satisfied. So I know that having a life coach will change the way you feel and, you know, give you more self-confidence and self-esteem. And it doesn't take time to do the consult. I do 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, and you see if we're a good connection. I like to see if I can work for you and be helpful and uh, and that, uh, you know, uh, you would like to work with someone like me when you talk to me. So that's what the free consult is all about, kind of feeling out the situation, feeling confident and comfortable that this you're ready for this. It's fantastic. It starts right here. Let it be me, lifecoaching.com. And we have challenges. Let's get over them. Let's work through them. And you're somebody there that will walk that journey with them. And, and all of us. Yeah, because yeah. you get it. Uh, yeah. Mary Beth, always great talking with you. Love the insight. I'm going to look for that app. And uh, yes. once again, let it be me, lifecoaching.com. I look forward next time we get a chance to get together. Yes, sounds great, Steve. I look forward to our talk. Thanks, Mary Beth. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Of course my kid's in the right car seat. Well, I think he is. Yeah, my kid's in a booster seat. He was ready to move up. He is ready, right? Her car seat looks like the right size. There are probably rules on when to move up to a booster seat. Aren't there? Rear-facing, forward-facing? I think I have it right. Car crashes are a leading killer of children 1 to 13. Are your children in the right car seat for their age and size? Don't think you know. Know you know. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. I know my child's in the right car seat. Or else I wouldn't get in the driver's seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.